I'm going out right now. Ah, yes, friends, it's OGP, the one giant podcast, where, of course, I am your host, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets over on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Norrie. Thursday morning? I think it's a Thursday morning. We know we got a lot going on when it comes to the New York football giants. Andrew Makowitz, who is healthy, wealthy, and wise, a season generational ticket holder for the New York football giants, he will be here momentarily uh, as we get ourselves dialed in. We know the Giants end up actually claiming in total uh, seven players coming off the line here. There's a couple of guys that I want to point to. There's some other news and notes coming in. Uh, You may have watched the episode yesterday morning where we were talking about at the end, other players, you know, we threw out a couple of names. I did mention Khalil uh, Pimpleton. You may have seen him on Hard Knocks for the Detroit Lions. He's in for a visit today. Not sure. We'll keep it up to date. Um, if he's potentially going to be uh, receiving maybe a practice squad invitation, we don't know. Uh, just a footnote on him: he's the kind of mold that fits the player. We'll talk about uh, fits the system. Excuse me. We'll talk about him a little bit more coming up here. But initially, the big wave that we got yesterday was the Giants claiming four players to start, and then what ultimately grew to seven. Uh, DB Jason Pinnock, who was formerly of the Jets, also had DB Nick McLeod from the Bills, picked up Jack Anderson from the Eagles, interior offensive lineman, and then Justin Lane from the Steelers. We take a brief pause there on the conversation because let's just go through these first handful of players. We'll talk about the corresponding moves that went along with it. Um, and Andy can flesh help us flesh that out when he comes in as well. Some guys were cut. Some guys were already brought back. Some guys were put onto the practice squad, right? So there's a lot of things to get through here in a relatively short amount of time this morning. We'll come back in again tomorrow and continue to break some of this down. However, when we take a look, the first one I'm going to point to here, because uh, there was concerns around Shane Lemieux, was he going to be able to start on the injured reserve, start the season on the pup list? When we think about adding a guy like Jack Anderson, who's a player that only had last season 81 offensive snaps, don't care about necessarily what that offensive rating was, but what I do like, seventh round pick by the Buffalo Bills, uh, 237 overall in the 2021 draft. What do I like about him? You go over and you take a look at his profile, obviously, uh, coming out of Texas Tech. I'll tell you that he is regarded as a better pass blocker than run blocker out the gate. That matters to the New York football giants because we're talking about a player in uh, Jack Anderson that obviously gives depth at an area of need that the Giants have on the interior, but also gives you an opportunity to improve potentially in what is the weaker of the two facets, the pass blocking, the pass protection. When we think about even Evan Neal, the rookie for the New York football Giants first round selection this year, as we all know, Uh, you know that his footwork and he's stronger right now in run blocking because that's a little bit more straightforward. You have to deal with more. You have to hold up longer in pass protection. So you get a guy on the inside that can hopefully help you with that as we bring in Andy Makowitz on a Thursday. I said at the top, but I'll say it again, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Andy, we're just getting into those initial four from yesterday and talking about Jack Anderson on that interior offensive line. This feels like an easy one as I was looking at his draft profile. Um, like he has a good baseline of skill sets. He's a seventh round pick, but he comes in and it was regarded a little bit more athleticism than you expect him to have moves. Well, squares his body finishes. Mostly it seems like footwork was going to be a big concern for him coming out. The giants needed this. They get a guy. 
Yeah, I, 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 we talked about Alex Leatherwood yesterday as as a potential claim for the Giants. I think one of the mm-hmm. missteps that that we had, or I had at least, hand up um, in in thinking that he was going to be a good fit was when you're claiming a first round pick like him, you have to absorb his salary and his contract, and all of those years are guaranteed. So instead of being able to grab a guy for the veteran minimum, I think you were you were on the hook for five point nine million over the next three years on a guy that you're taking a flyer on. The Giants didn't have the salary cap to, to be able to do something like that, so they went the smarter route with someone like Jack Anderson. I think, to your point, it it fills very similar needs where he can play inside, can probably play guard a little bit of center, gives you a little bit of mm-hmm. versatility across the line, and the Giants desperately need that with Shane Lemieux going on IR. Who knows what's happening with the Zudu? Is Ben Bredesen going to be starting week one? Where's Feliciano's health at? There's so many question marks across the inside interior offensive line that we had to at least address it somehow, some way. Jack Anderson does that for us. A hundred percent. And we'll talk more tomorrow when it comes about um, the financial situation that the Giants still find themselves in, which is negative. Um, But the uh, other out of the first four that came in there, then I thought the other notable one uh, for me, you knew they made some cuts in the secondary. You knew they were going to bring in some guys. We know Tony Jefferson uh, got officially signed. He'll be brought up from, we think, the practice squad at some point and all these mechanics. But they also went out and grabbed uh, Jason Minnick, who was off of the Jets, saw him in the final preseason game. Again, when you think about where other teams are relative to what you need and where their depth is, this feels like a guy, at least from all the reports, they were saying another player drafted in 2021, fifth round pick, by the Jets, like I, the Jets were hoping to sneak him through to the practice squad. This is one of those those scenarios where you say, yeah, if we can get him there, that's great. Obviously, you run the risk of losing him from a Giants perspective. They, they go, you want to give us a you know one-year prospect who has a lot of upside and has a lot of the measurables that we like? Great to be able to get him in on the claim here. Yeah, and, and as Marty says, he saw Bobby Skinner's breakdown. Bobby does a great job um, yeah. getting some insight and intel from some of the other teams. Even look at some of the Jet podcasts we've done crossovers with, like Play Like a Jet and others. They mm-hmm. have basically, when when Jason Pinnock was released by the Jets, they were very upset. This was not a 100% consensus move for the Jets, which bodes well for the Giants. There were other players like Ashton Davis on the Jets where they're like, why are we keeping this guy instead of Jason Pinnock, who in 12 games for them last year performed admirably. I think, you know, I, I read a couple different stats. He was he was in 24% of all the total defensive plays for the Jets. So that gave him instant experience. And Adam, yep. it wasn't like he completely floundered when he was in there. We don't use pro football focus as the be-all, end-all, but a 70.4 overall grade when he was in there, 89 in run defense. So he brings some some really strong grades, some experience to that secondary, and he doesn't have to move very far. He just has to go, what, across across one locker to the other? Pick up, yeah, pick up your bags and just walk across the stadium. And to your point, it bodes well that uh, the run defense grade is high for him coming over from the Jets because tackling coming out of college, when we talk about over on uh, Draft Buzz, his profile graded as the, the weakness being the tackling aspect of it. So if he's improved with that, that's a good start. And then his highest rated area was coverage, something that we know Wink Martindale is going to want to do with his DBs there. So, I mean, again, had six catches allowed on seven targets, you know, 20%, as you said, 20% there. There's not a huge sample size, but the bottom line is when you look to the back end of the Giants, the secondary, we're talking about the Darren Evans of the world, right? These are guys that are coming in raw, don't have any experience. You would at least think in this moment in the short term, the Giants have added, including Tony Jefferson. We'll talk about McLeod here as well. You've got a handful of players that you think, regardless of where you want to go, this elevates what of your of your secondary is what the floor of your roster is 
Yeah, and, and you talked a little bit about Nick Nick uh, McLeod, the defensive back. Um, obviously, Joe Shane is very familiar with him. You see this a lot with with Joe Shane and Brian Dable, guys that they've seen in the building. They they've you know been able to touch and feel the skill sets that they have very very close to the team. He came in undrafted in 2021, Adam, uh, to the Buffalo Bills. They were really hoping to sneak him to to through the to the practice squad. He got claimed by the Bengals. And then after he, you know, played a couple games, had a cup of coffee with the Bengals, he got released, and the Buffalo Bills immediately signed him back. It does feel like Nick McLeod may be like a Joe Shane, like a protege project where he saw him in college and was like, yeah. I really, really like him. It feels like a Joe Shane, like, hey, you know, Brandon Bean, let me go get after the draft is done, similar to Brandon Brown for the Giants. Let me go get the guys that I want that that aren't yeah. and that haven't been drafted. And you know what? Limited snaps, had a pro football focus grade of 68 which is probably better than some of the back-end guys that we had on this roster. So when you look at the claims that the Giants made, the, the the four that they were awarded, they make sense. Offensive line, secondary, these are things we've talked about at nauseum. I think the seven claims that the Giants put in is actually even more interesting than the four that they were awarded. Yeah, so and also it was uh, Justin Lane there, and then just initially as far as how the timeline went, which also got adjusted, uh, third-round pick there um, in the draft for uh, Lane out of Pittsburgh. But the four were released, which this also changed, but at least initially they released uh, Max Garcia. He got thrown out of the practice squad. Uh, Nick Williams, defensive lineman, which feeds into the conversation about the seven total claims. Linebacker Austin Cal- uh, Calitro and then Tanner, H- Tanner Hudson as well. Uh, let's let's move into these full seven claims that the Giants applied for and who else they maybe picked up here. Yeah, so one of the interesting ones that I saw was Jamichael Hasty got released. Yeah. Who was the who was a running back, which was surprising to me because I thought we already had enough running backs that were weren't able to make the cut. You know, Jay Sean Corbin had to go to the practice squad. We're carrying four because they like what Breda and Brightwell brought. But Jermichael Hasty is an interesting one. He brings another dynamic. He also played um, a bunch in all four phases of special teams that they had. So like he has that experience, which keeps continually coming up. And it feels like if you're going to be one of those back end roster guys, you have to be able to have that experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, Nick Williams, and then getting two more. It was two more defensive linemen, Johnson and John. Uh, what you have, Johnson from who was also put in for a claim board by the Seattle Seahawks, and then you had Kingsley, Kingsley Johnson. Johnson. Chicago uh, wanted him as well. Oh, uh, Jonathan, that's listed there. Yeah. Son of a, oh, jo- Jonathan and Johnson. Sorry. Trying to trying to get your thoughts together, Adam Johnson and Johnson. If I can listen, if they end up being anything close to what the business product turned out to be, you know, from the baby powders to the food to the, it's the entire spectrum that Johnson and Johnson gives you, um, but not a lot of yep. depth on the interior defensive line as well. So the, it, it all makes sense. The defensive side of the ball is where so much of this focus went for the Giants here. Yeah, well, K- Kingsley uh, Jonathan is actually someone that I know well from his college days at Syracuse University. Uh, so we know man. that his education is just bar none better than anyone go. else in the league. So very happy to see that. Here we um, go. Obviously, uh, defensive end for the Chicago Bears, but I believe um, you know th- there was experience during the scouting. The Giants are looking for young defensive end talent. With Quincy Roche not making the initial roster and moving over to the practice squad, it yeah. looks like the Giants were, were kind of taking flyers saying, hey, I'm interested in some of these different players. Um, you know, Unfortunately, the Giants didn't, didn't get the claim on, on Kingsley Jonathan. 
Yeah, and just uh, quickly on that running back one, as you mentioned, I wonder if it if it's uh, impacted by health, if it's, you know, that type of concern, if the Giants were trying to keep certain players. We know that uh, Jay Sean Corbin got released, but then Brightwell, and, you know, we think Antonio Williams played really strongly. We, we believe that Breed is going to be a part of this because the new regime specifically brought him in. Maybe there was injury concerns there where they thought, hey, if we can get this player, then maybe it means Brightwell gets moved down to the practice squad. Maybe it means another move comes here, but it'd be, you'd be hard pressed to think at certain positions that they're just going to keep bringing in that talent. So would have been interesting to see how they work those mechanics on that end. Yeah. And, and I see in the comments, people were talking about how impressed they were with Antonio Williams. I think we were all as well. I thought he was kind of like a camp filler, hoping to make the back end of the roster, probably a practice squad guy like he was in Buffalo. He really did impress, especially with his pass catching ability. So the Giants feel confident in their running back room, but they're making claims still on running backs, Adam, that have a little bit more versatility. So you can't say that they feel like they're completely set there. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised. The thing that, the thing that speaks to me most about the seven waiver claims that the giants did is that they just are not done retooling this roster. Even after making the claims that they did, there are still moves for the giants to make because they feel like the back end of the roster needs to change structurally and it's never more present than when they put in all seven waiver claims for the back end. Yeah, and why don't we go ahead and have a little conversation, something I talked about here over on Twitter this morning, something I mentioned at the back end of the episode, and something that's getting a little bit of traction down there in the comments. We're going to go ahead and let Marty tell you that that's my guy. And that's Bill Pimpleton, who was brought in for a visit today with the New York Football Giants. Um, you know, Listen, you maybe you get a little bit of the hype on the kid because he was on hard knocks with the Detroit Lions. The thing that I'm going to tell you about him is... One, it fits the model, I think, of what this offense is looking for, right? Including when you look back at the draft selection of Wandell Robinson, you know that they have Kadarius Toney. We understand you still need versatile and different models of wide receiver, but I did go pull him up. And I'm sure that back when the draft was happening, that I I looked at this kid and said at Central Michigan and thought, boy, is he small, you know, is the weight, what's it going to look like? Now, there's two factors here that I think are really fascinating with him. Hands was his biggest area of concern, and he had a case of the drops in spite of those juggling uh, attributes that he showed off. How ironic, on. right? <laughs> I, I just, I, again, the fact that he was so adept with, with juggling and yet struggles with catching, something has to be a disconnect there. The eye-hand coordination exists, and yet it cannot convert. That being said, though, he runs great intermediate and deep routes. He has the speed. He's sub 4-5, 4-4-9 that he ran there at the combine as well. Like, I'm just, this is the kind of guy I think when you start to look at what the Giants have been doing, what they did in the draft and where it seems like things are heading for this, for this wide receiver room, this guy would make a really good low risk, pull a flyer on him. And if you can develop him all of a sudden, you're walking down the road, having another model player that gives you the redundancy you want when guys need breathers out there. Okay. So I have a question for you, Adam, because this is your guy. And and let's say that the Giants bring him in for a visit He's 5'9", 173. He's very slender, but he is relatively 175. Electric. You do not take away those two pounds from him. How dare All you? All right, fine. You know, different places. Depends what he ate this morning, right? But, <laughs> That's right. But yeah. my, my question to you is, if the Giants bring him in and yes. he's got a bunch of practice squad offers, but the Giants come in and say, we're willing to put you on the 53 because you bring something to the table. My question to you is, do you think that that roster spot is Darius Slayton's roster spot, or do you think that roster spot is Richie James's roster spot? Uh, I would I would assume, and this there, there's a reason for it. I would assume it's Richie James's roster spot. Richie James is further down the pecking order, not even relative to Darius Slayton, just in the wide receiver room. He's also a special teams guy. Khalil Pimpleton could use him in a special teams role as well in the return game. And then the other reason for this is. 
why is, you know, you can look across the stadium, the New York Jets fielded some offers, but never pulled the trigger on moving Denzel Mims, right? Why? Because they know that he is a talented wide receiver. If something came up, sure, they would make the move. Likewise for the Giants, they're already in a bad cap situation, but you're not going to pull the trigger if you think there's an opportunity here maybe to get maximum value for Darius Slayton. I don't No one is offering the Giants something for Richie James. You could still get a sixth or seventh round pick for Darius Slayton, depending on what happens here. Remember, we talked about it yesterday. Who put in claims for wide receivers and who missed out, right? Maybe they come back to the table. So I think the Giants would be willing to keep Darius Slayton as long as possible, even into the season, if that's the case. Well, I, I think you're right. And I think the reason is also a, another aspect of it. It's Talk that Richie James and Khalil Pimpleton basically bring the same yeah. uh, athleticism and have the same skill set, w- would fill the same role for the Giants. Like Khalil Pimpleton is 5'9", Richie James is 5'9". Richie James is 10 or 12 pounds more, but they play the exact same way. They're a small, shifty wide receiver. Obviously, they both work in special teams on punt return and kick return. They have a very like-for-like situation, so I think that's the trade-off. Darius Slayton brings a completely different dynamic, a taller, bigger-body receiver that can get vertical down the field. And, you know, it's a completely different skill set. So to me, I think you're right. I think that last roster spot with Richie James and him, you're kind of trading out one for the other. I wouldn't see the Giants bringing in Pimbleton getting rid of Darius Slayton, and then all of a sudden you have Wandale Robinson less than 5'9". You've got Richie J- Richie James less than 5'9". You've got Khalil Pimbleton at 5'9". You've got Sterling Shepard at 5'10". You'd have like five or six receivers that are under six feet tall on the roster, which while you want versatility, you probably don't want to swing things completely in that direction. No, 100%. Yes, you may like the mold or a particular style of play that, that a player has yet you still want to have versatility when we talk about the practice squad that uh happened here as well and we're seeing lj asking about wyatt davis too there's some other names here that we need to track through um but tony jefferson was was signed to the practice squad which then makes you you know the 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 rolling as you said before the rolling impact and decisions that have to happen here because the roster from practice squad to first you know 53 to pup list like all these things are still in motion here probably over the next couple of days yeah, so Tony Jefferson was someone that we highlighted the second that came out. No surprise. We're That's not breaking any yeah. feather in your cap. Yeah, I mean, the, immediate, the, the second that that happened, I said, wow, Tony Jefferson, veteran who is going to be cheap, that played under Wink Martindale, that is an area of need for us. Like, it could not line up better. The only question, the only question was whether Wink thought there was still something left with Tony Jefferson, and if Tony Jefferson still thought he had something left to go to another team to contribute – or did he want to go to the practice squad, fill at the back of the roster, and end his career with the Ravens? Right. I'm glad that he chose the Giants. It's a feather in the Giants' cap. Wink is saying, I'm building something here, and you could still be a part of it. But remember, let's temper expectations on Tony Jefferson. He is 30 years old. He has played very limitedly over the last two years because yeah. of injuries. So there's a lot to figure out on what he has left. But Wink knows him so well that if Wink wanted to bring him back there, you know that he already understands the scheme after being in it for five years. And if nothing else, it's a veteran leader that can help Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, and Dane Belton figure out exactly where they need to be and when they need to be there. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on that point of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see as also, by the way, as we should just mention, Kalitro uh, was brought back by the Giants too, as we highlighted him as being one of the cuts earlier 
uh, in the off earlier in the day, excuse me, yesterday. The other one here, probably worth mentioning, Tony Jefferson gets brought in, and we assume uh, will be coming up to the full 53, as you say. Davis Webb got brought in, and Quincy Roche got brought back onto the practice squad as well. So it was funny because a lot of people were having that conversation around Quincy Roche and saying, I can't remember, some people are like Ellerson Smith, like I would lose him before I lose Quincy Roche. And and I we understand what you saw last season him but you just have to deal with what's in front of you before we talk a little bit about Wyatt Davis you have to just accept what are we seeing this offseason it tells us that the hierarchy has shifted but but also Adam I think and this is something that we pointed out yesterday on Twitter is like let's also everyone was a little upset about Quincy Roche being like man he's gonna get claimed he was so good he flashed for us early on guess what not a single team claimed him in the NFL and he could have had other opportunities to go elsewhere and he said you know what I want to go back to the Giants so give kudos to Joe Shane for looking at the talent, evaluating the roster and saying, I ha- while we would love to have Quincy Roche back on the practice squad, I can't afford to get rid of O'Shane Ximenez. I can't get rid of Ellerson Smith because these guys have a future with the Giants and they probably have a better likelihood of getting claimed than someone like Roche. And, and the last piece I'll say is, Mm. Roche just doesn't seem to fit entirely into what Wink wants to do. Like he's still a great football player. That's not really the question. The question is, can he really flourish in the scheme that Wink does? He wants tall athletic guys that can be moved around and shifted into different positions. It feels like Quincy Roche is a little bit of a more traditional, just pin your ears back and go try to get after the quarterback, which is not necessarily the best fit for Wink Martindale's scheme. No, 100%. I'm trying to track down here for the Wyatt Davis information just in the background. Obviously, uh, for the Vikings, 23 years old, uh, still on the younger side of it. But maybe take me a second here just to fully flesh out how that looks. I also want to look at what the practice squad now looks like for the New York football giants. Did anything surprise you um, as I just funnel my way through here? Obviously a guy like, and this is just footnotes, but like Embikita getting over there, Corbin getting over there. Um, you have Austin Allen, Ryder Anderson, Quincy Roche, Zion Gilbert, Darren Evans. These are the young guys that got pushed out the door as we're waiting for these cuts. In that regard, while I acknowledge I have to, as well as the safeties, by the way, Thompson, Medor's right hand is in there for the cornerback room. I'll acknowledge that, like in the case of Darren Evans, I, you know, I, I was willing to start to go down this road with an undrafted free agent being a part of that room all offseason long. It was hey, in some ways, it's the waiting game for cuts. Like, that's what this was. It was a waiting game for cuts. And then all of a sudden, when you see four guys coming to the secondary, you immediately go, yes. You just couldn't, we just couldn't trade for all of them. We had to wait for them to become available. So when I look at the practice squad, Adam, the first thing that comes to my mind is not necessarily who's there. It's who's not there. Because all the guys that, none of, the Giants didn't have any player that they released that got claimed. So that'll tell you something about the depth that we had inside of camp first and foremost secondly if none of those players got claimed that's basically saying no other team really has that much interest it's like why wouldn't i sign back with the giants who have familiarity and and like me at that point so like i'm not surprised that jay sean corbin ended up coming back i think that's a big win because no other team claimed him if no team's going to claim him his best shot is is an injury for the giants and he gets promoted instantly Mm -hmm. i think the the two names that come to my mind that did not sign up for the practice squad as of a, a few hours ago were alex bachman and Yusuf Corker. Those are the two names to yeah. me that, that end up really highlighting kind of the, the challenges the Giants have. Alex Bachman was playing flag football 12 months ago and really showed up in camp and led the preseason in, in receptions with 19. 
but he's been with the Giants for so long that maybe he's just sitting here saying, if I can't break this roster with all this turmoil of Colin Johnson going down, they're dra- they continually draft wide receivers. David Sills has moved ahead of me. Richie James is here. Khalil uh, Pimbleton is coming in. Like, when are they ever going to give me a shot? Maybe it's better if I get in a different camp and all of a sudden I can showcase my skills there day in, day out for someone else. Yeah, and then I think what's fascinating too, yeah, and listen, like we said, he's you know 27 years old and like, you know, the battle that we have of how how much does the preseason matter? Can guys make the roster by what they show you over three games? And in, maybe, maybe not. In some cases, like a Calitro, it looks like it. In other cases, like Alex Bachman, it couldn't matter any less. And, and to your point, he's been around this organization for a while. The thing that I think is interesting with like a Yusuf Corker, I want to see how things evolve here on the practice squad when Tony Jefferson gets elevated up, right? What is going to shift here? And then who will the Giants potentially bring up? Or maybe there's a guy on the active roster now that's going to get put back down um, in order to make those accommodations. Yusuf Corker didn't get claimed by anybody. He's sitting out there. Listen, he's an un- I know he's an undrafted uh, uh, you know, safety. However, all indications from a prospect standpoint was like, this is a guy that really could develop. Do you think that it's just like, is it Thompson that ends up kind of pushing him out of the hierarchy here? Is it that there's the special teams value where Corker had played a little bit, but not enough? Cause I'll be fair too. For as much as we liked him as a prospect when they picked him up, when you started seeing him, the one thing I think you can take away from preseason games is the old eye test. Like does a guy just look like he's functioning well. And there were a lot of times when Thompson was jumping off the tape at you and Yusuf Corker just kind of looked like he was out there. Well, the, the issue with Yusuf Corker was when Dane Belton goes down with an injury, it's basically your time to step up and show that you want to make this roster. And we talked about how great the story is with Yusuf Corker, basically sleeping on Wandale Robinson's couch until he could figure yeah. out what's going to be happening. The story writes itself about wanting him to succeed. I think the issue was all of the moves that the Giants front office made right after Dane Belton got hurt really told you you know, what they thought of Yusuf Corker's pr- progression. Obviously, they had Trenton Thompson there. They brought in Andrew Adams. They brought in Nate Metters right, right towards the end. You had Trenton Thompson there. You, like, you had so many different safeties that got brought in to basically say, we need someone else here. We need to just see if we can catch lightning in a bottle. It yeah. never worked out for Yusuf Corker. And, and the one thing that I will say is he hasn't been signed to the practice squad yet. It will be interesting to see if he maybe decides to – try to jump onto a practice squad closer to home because Mm -hmm. he does have a wife and a newborn son back down towards the university of Kentucky where he went. It may make sense from like a family standpoint. Let me jump on a practice squad closer to here. I don't know the Tennessee Titans or something like that. So I don't have to move my family completely up to New York for on the off chance that I can make this roster when they've already brought six guys in to try to figure out if they could fill my void. Yeah. I mean, listen, let's, let's, we can kind of start to wrap it up on this conversation of, you know, it's a business and it's a job. And if you're a guy that's a back end of a roster player, a practice squad player, things like matter, right? Where is my life? Where's my family? If I can be a reps guy on, you know, in between Sunday games and, and help teams get better and still earn a paycheck that can just as well be a value for, you know, for a player who's not entirely sure um, where they think they're going to go in the in the grand scheme of things. We take a quick look. I'm going to pull this up here. Uh, give me your thoughts. I know you want to touch back on Darius Slayton before we get out here and just taking a look at, we can, you know what, let's not even worry about it. Let's close out on Darius Slayton and then we'll talk about the 53-man roster as it currently stands tomorrow. And there's going to be more things to dissect here as we run these lives. We appreciate everyone being in on these. Yeah, so I wanted to finish with a thought on Darius Slayton because going up to, to the 53-man roster cuts, everyone's like, when is Darius Slayton getting traded? When is he getting cut? What's he going to be doing? He, you coming you know, around to my side, buddy? 
Well, yeah, I think I am. I think I'm slowly starting to, to, to move over Adam because he sounded like a man defeated. That was like, I don't know if I'm going to be here. It, it kind of, I think the, the media situation kind of lulled him into this like whole purgatory situation. Couldn't get out of his own head. But when they asked him recently, he start like the comments start to make more sense. He's like, Hey, listen, they're going to feel calls on me. Like I get it. Like it's, it's being talked about because the giants need cap space. And he's like, and also I'm a realist. If the Rams called and Aaron Donald was available for Darius Slayton, <laughs> I'm obviously getting traded. He's like, even yeah. I would make that trade. So he's right. he's being realistic about, hey, this is a business. I would like to be here. I have familiarity with the team, want to stay, but it is a business. And at the end of the day, I might have to go somewhere else to continue my career. But I'm kind of with you, Adam, about keeping him around. The Giants will need the cap space eventually. We talk about how they'll need about $5 million to be able to, to do business over the course of the season. First things first is going to be restructuring Leonard Williams, even though they don't want to. But at the end of the day, if we're going to save a million bucks, but Darius Slayton brings something to the table, you know, 750-yard wide receivers don't grow on trees, Adam. And if you're saying for a million bucks, he's an insurance policy against Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney being hurt and Sterling Shepard coming off of, a, of an Achilles injury – then, hey, that's a pretty good million-dollar insurance policy. 100%. Dan Big Blue, I, there should be something coming soon from the Giants just as far as running down what happened, which way did it go, who were, what were we trying to accomplish, good player that got away from us. Do you have that, Andy? Jo- Joe Shane will be addressing the media today, so okay. that will be coming out shortly. So we'll try to s- see if we can squeeze in a little bit of conversation around that once it happens. To your point, man, a, a lot of things are going to shift here over time. When you know you have a lot of money coming in next year, does this Slayton dollar amount x makes sense at 25 26 years old is just being a member of this room injuries of course being a big factor there we'll talk about the cap tomorrow we'll talk about the 50-man roster we'll take a little bit of a deeper look at that practice squad and some of the moves that are going to happen like we say with tony jefferson what does it afford them the giants make their secondary better on waiver claims they give themselves some depth and opportunity on the offensive line those are the big options that they had there and we'll try to flesh out what anything if anything, is indicated by taking a flyer on a running back. Little footnote before we go, Andy? Yeah, little footnote I saw in the comments. LJ had mentioned Wyatt Davis. That's going to be yes. a name that we, we will talk about. He officially signed to the practice squad for the Giants. I feel like that's going to be an under-the-radar move where he could very quickly insert himself into the roster. Short and sweet is third-round pick last season for the Minnesota Vikings. Had yes. a lot of pedigree coming out of school. I, think he was, I believe he was at Ohio State. He is yes. a guy that I am very interested to see how, how he can vault up. Instead of going after Leatherwood, who really dis- truly disappointed and would have cost a bunch of money, the Giants go after Jack Anderson, Wyatt Davis, and they're slowly starting to build something up here. I really like that move uh, You know, for, for the Giants. Yeah, we'll dive in deeper specifically on the offensive line. You know we love to talk it here on OGP. That being the case, get over to YouTube. You've been seeing us running some lives like these. Could become a theme throughout the season because quite frankly our reps are clean Andy we'll talk about the roster we'll talk start to talk about Tennessee Titans right and then what are the expectations here there's a big conversation we'll start to get into next week around what do we think is going to happen and you'll see myself included here on the show we're off of these conversations around how did things go in can is someone struggling or not we get into the tape, we start watching games, and we hopefully start to set the table for a successful New York football giant season. Get those podcasts where we get those needs fulfilled. And in the meantime, friends, as Andy Mackowitz would want, need, and nay, demand people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.